Christina Rodenbeck from the Oxford Astrologer, and I'm here with my good friend Sally Kirkman from sallykirkman.com to talk astrology. Um, we're going to talk, obviously, as we always do, we're going to discuss the month ahead, um, astrolo- the astrological month ahead. We're going to have a look at the past, the past month, and generally sort of meander around the zodiac in a conversational yet informative way. Um, and if you're interested in more from either of us, uh, we both have, uh, do horoscopes, monthly horoscopes and weekly. Sally does a weekly horoscope. Um, these are our subscription services. Um, but have a look at our websites for more information. That's the Oxford astrologer and Sally Kirkman. Um, Sal, how are you? Hello, Christina. <laughs> nice to see you. Um, how am I? Well, I'm hoping that life improves, actually. It's been a bit, it's been, God, this Mars retrograde I did not enjoy um, mm. at all. It's been under the cosh with work a bit, with writing, but also I got ill at the start of the year and it's still lingering on a bit. I mean, it's been two weeks now and, you know, so energy level's really, really low. Um, and I think that for me, Scorpio, Aries, Rising, the two Mars star signs, it was, it's always a tricky time, um, you know, and, and, and yeah, it's been, it's been a struggle and I'm just looking forward to kind of, we're talking, we're talking while Mercury's still retrograde, a couple of more days to go. Um, but then hopefully this new month will bring this sort of fresh energy <laughs> personally, as well as kind of in other areas too. So it has been hard. What about you? How's it been for you? Well, as you know, I went, I took a journey into the past. Yeah. Uh, it seemed to me a good thing to do with Mars retrograde in Gemini. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mercury. And that was great. I went to Egypt. I went down the Nile sort of upriver, which also felt very appropriate and cool. Mm-hmm. And we all had a wonderful time, I have to say, uh, in Egypt and, uh, really enjoyed it really looked we did a lot we did all the tourist things we we looked at a lot of temples um which is was the point really was to look at temples and that i got you know really um it's just amazing to be in a place where history is so long you know you look at something that's thousands and thousands of years old yeah and yet and you're also among people who look exactly like the people on the tomb paintings, you know, so there, there they are. Mm. Um, so it's like being in a place that's very, very alive mm. and that's been there a very long time. And the Nile itself is incredible uh, in Upper Egypt, not so much in Cairo. Well, in Cairo it is too, but in Upper Egypt, it smells delicious. Mm. It's got full of fish. It's full of life and you feel it as this incredibly powerful life-giving force not sure what Mm. that's got to do with mars retrograde Mm. in gemini well going back into the past history taking a journey and also into my own past because i grew up in egypt um so it was kind of wonderful and then Mm. on the retrograde of course that was the day that i had to return and um i inadvertently because i had to start off early in the morning put my trousers on inside out which I, I saw that. That was lovely. <laughs> oh, I put my trousers on inside out. Yeah. And, uh, 
and we all got upgraded on the flight. Well, very kind of surprising to me, but someone told me afterwards that wearing your clothes inside out is the way to stop the fairies doing stuff. So I wonder if I'm just going to do that at the beginning of every Mercury retrograde or during a Mercury retrograde, just wear my clothes inside out the whole time. Or when you're about to get on a plane and then they might upgrade you. (laughs) No, it's like what those footballers, right? Who have to wear, you know, pink underwear or something every match. Interesting. Well, I have to say, I've never heard that about wearing your clothes inside out. But yeah, it kind of fits in a way with this. It's been topsy-turvy and upside down, I think, with both Mercury and Mars, you know, retrograde for starting the year and... Um, it has been, it's been a slow start for many people, I think. And, you know, interesting, I had um, a meeting with my retreat group on New Year's Day and there was three of us who were ill. It was the Gemini, Mars retrograde in Gemini, the Aries and the Scorpio, the two Mars ruled star signs, which I just found very amusing, actually, because it was kind of like, you know, those are the star signs that I think have struggled most under under this Mars retrograde phase. And also I I had an interesting chat. I mean, there's been so many synchronicities around this with my Gemini tour guide friend who's had an unusual amount of work. She normally works a bit over Christmas, but this time of the year, there's been a huge amount. She said to me, Sam, it's been mental, which I thought was great for Mars retrograde in Gemini. And I said, when does it stop? She said, January the 13th. So (laughs) the day after Mars switched direction, she finally gets a break. So, so many kind of showings of this, this Mars retrograde, definitely, you know, it's been really, really kind of vivid and quite dramatic, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's been very hard to, um, you know, I think there've been a lot of issues around uh, mental health. I think I probably said this last time and Mm. this Mars and Gemini, things coming out, trying to, people realizing that they have certain problems and trying to deal with them yeah. a lot of discussions around stuff like that um and of course the big thing with this mars mercury is not the big thing but the one of the big things in this country I'm, there are many other stories okay i'm just going to say prince harry in lowercase letters mm-hmm. but that to me is also part of the mars retrograde and mercury retrograde yeah energy. showing um, up so much in his chart showing up in his chart and he is going with this book that he published on the 10th of January, he's going back into the past to write his version, uh, to have his version of the past written. And that feels to me a very Mercury retrograde thing to do. And Mars and Gemini, which is Gemini is the sign of writing um, and communications. And of course, Mercury is the planet of writing and communications. So, So both of these things retrograde, it was interesting you know, it's been a whole rehashing of history in the same way, you know, I went back to Egypt and looked at temples mm. um, and the the British tabloid press has gone back to, you know, 1997 and looked at, you know, Diana's death has come back. It's been a very ghost ridden um, time, actually, I would say more when Mercury went retro. So this January period yep. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ghosts of the past have come up. I mean, every time that, you know, the big quote that people, are, one of the quotes people are taking from that book is uh, when he talks about the play Hamlet, which is all about a prince and a ghost. That's how it starts. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read it? I have not. I have read some extracts. Okay. okay. Um, I'm, I'm not 
as you, I mean, I'm like you, Sally, and that I don't want to immerse myself in it too much. Mm. Um, I find it a story that it's about real people mm. and they have real feelings. Yeah. And one doesn't want to sort of poke that too much, but the astrology has been, is so astonishing. And the yeah. archetypal mythology of the whole thing is so astonishing that it's very hard not to be slightly, at least slightly fascinated by it. Yeah. And, you know, that again, just thinking about the Mars Gemini and it all coming out on this, um, you know, as Mars turns direct in Gemini, Mars in Gemini is using words as a weapon, <laughs> which, <laughs> which has been very true. And also Gemini is the star sign of siblings. Yeah. Isn't it? It's been this massive rift between the two siblings, Gemini's the twins. Um, yeah. So it's this theme of duality. So you know, there's just been, again, these really quite obvious showings of how, how the astrology is, is completely synchronous, in tune with what's been going on. Are we going to have a quick look at his chart? Just yeah. sort of as... Um, yeah. Back to that thing about siblings, though, I just want to add. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that's so true, you know, the, the sign of siblings, but also Mercury is a planet that we associate with siblings. Yes. Mercury and Capricorn that's going backwards, Capricorn being the sign of the establishment. So these very posh brothers yeah. are having, you know, they're, they're, there it is. That's the story of a pair of brothers. It's the story of the younger brother. Yes, we are. I'm just trying to figure out how to do that share screen. This is for those of you who are watching on the video. Um, yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of the important thing, isn't it, with this? Because it's it's about these two brothers, but it's about much more than that, isn't it? They're, they are, you know, the royals are such archetypes. They're kind of like these great stories playing out. It was the same always with Diana and, you know, the moon goddess Diana. She was a cancer and... And this connection to the moon, Diana was a huntress in mythology. So we get these, it's not just about, they're not, they're not ordinary people. They become something more. They become these archetypes, um, which I think is, you know, it's quite incredible. It's incredible how it works, synchronizes with the astrology. And um, these charts that I've put up, as I've put up on Harry's chart, Harry's progress chart is the next ring. And the transits of the 10th of January when he published this book. Mm. And there are, I wrote a tiny thing on Instagram about this because it's so quick and easy to see what, you know, what's going on astrologically. But just even on the day of the publication, you know, the moon comes into Virgo, which is Harry's sign. It's also a sign that's about words, you know, mm. uh, and the, I mean, the big, the big one that I found uh, really quite extraordinary was the progress chart, which is the second ring up. In astrology, you, astrologers to have a system which is called progression, right? Which is you move the planets forward in a person's chart for every year of their life. Um, it's a year, it's called a year for a day. Um, and it seems to work very, very well. Especially, I would say, the older you get, the more significant it becomes almost. Mm. And by progression, um, Harry's son has just has changed signs recently. And this happens only about every 30 years that you have your progressed son change signs. So it's moved 
um, from Libra into Scorpio. So his progressed son is at zero Scorpio now, Mm -hmm. Uh, which where it makes a conjunction to his natal Pluto, which is at zero Scorpio. And he has dropped a bomb on the royal family, uh, in, you know, on the monarchy, whatever, however, whatever way you put it, he's dropped his bomb. He's dropped his Pluto powerfully placed in Scorpio bomb. And he's done it now. There's no going back, Mm. you know, Mm. whatever anybody says, there's no going back from this. Mm. Mm. I mean, what do you make of a progressed sun on Pluto, Sal? Well, I mean, Massive. It's uh, for me. It's kind of like it's just his path of destiny. He could not do this. Um, he had to do it. He's being drawn towards it. Um, you know, Scorpio's dishing the dirt. It is vengeful. It's this vengeful side to Scorpio. No, no two ways about it. But that sun on Pluto. It's like he wants to destroy what's been built up in a way. I mean, he's you know, there's 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 a lot of anger coming out with that Pluto in the ninth house of publishing. So he's done it through this book, you know, and I think, I don't know if everybody understands the, what the spare means, the title, because we have this saying in um, that the heir and the spare there's in the, in the Royal lineage, you know, there's, there's an heir to the throne, but the next one down is often called the spare. They're just there in case. <laughs> so he, you know, that's how he's, um, it's how he's perhaps identified, you know, and the sun is your identity, your essence, how you see yourself. So I think it's incredibly powerful. Pluto rules his Scorpio midheaven. So he's just saying enough, you yeah. know, let's just destroy this, see what happens. Um, a real, it's an incredible truth bomb that's yeah. that's been dropped. And of course, Pluto is a planet that's a truth teller, isn't it? It destroys people by telling the truth. Yeah. Um, the other thing about about the spare, the concept of being the spare, is that his son, you know, his natal son is in Virgo in the eighth house. That's kind of a spare place to be, you know. It's it's Virgo. It's a, it's a sign of um, of service. Yeah. Um, and but now it's progressed into Scorpio, which is a warrior sign. Yeah. 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 So it's, that, it's it's changed, and we all retain our sun sign obviously that we're born with but you gain as you progress through the as your sun progresses through the signs you do develop different aspects of your character mm-hmm. um, the other thing i would say just about the word spare mm-hmm. is written going spare means you're going crazy you know you're when so you say he went absolutely spare it means yeah. someone went was got really angry yeah which is also quite interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, and that and that double meaning as well. I think is again perfectly in tune with this sort of Mars retrograde and turning direct in Gemini. You know, it's these sort of double entendres and the double meanings as well, um, and and just the transits. I mean, also this Mars and Mercury. The the Mars is turning direct on his Chiron by transit, the wounded healer. You know, this is also it's it's voicing a wound as well, um, where his Mars is in his chart and the Mercury on his ascendant, going back over his ascendant, his Capricorn ascendant. So again, there's something about this, you know, what what he's wanted to voice as well, what he's wanted to speak out, and he's doing it under you know under these retrograde planets actually, um, which is interesting in itself. 
Well, I think the retrograde planets are about going back into the past. And I I find the Chiron, so uh, you can see that Mars is on his Chiron. Literally, it's stationing on his Chiron. It's going to be there till the end of the month because it stays at eight degrees of Gemini, even when it goes direct for a long time. So anything, anybody who's got anything in eight degrees of Gemini will be experiencing this Mars, this turnaround. Yeah. You know, this change of direction. And I don't think it's painless. I think it's really painful what he's going through right now because it's like the daggers, you know, the 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 words that will come back at him as well. Yeah. One of the things I did notice in the in the um quotations I read, you know, in the extracts that I've read of this book is that his dad keeps on saying to him, Darling boy, darling boy, don't read the, you know, don't read the what the tabloids say about you. Don't read it. Mm. which is probably the best piece of advice that anybody could give mm. in that in the public um uh, in the public sphere is don't look at what these horrible people horrible tabloids say about you because yeah. it will drive you spare yeah yeah and that's also the theme of the the bigger transit the neptune ruling the media opposite his son in Virgo as well, isn't it? Which has been a major transit. I mean, that's a kind of avert your eyes. <laughs> don't go there. Don't be seduced. Don't be pulled in, you know, because it won't, it'll be, there'll be a lot of lies. Yeah. You're going to get a cascade of lies about him because of the Neptune. Also, I just thought on a sort of more positive note that the Neptune, not positive, but just obvious, like of obvious astrology now, Neptune opposite his son uh, is like, oh, well, you're going to be on TV a lot <laughs> you know? um, because Neptune is the camera, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The and the camera. Yeah. So you, find, you know, you find that sun Neptune opposition <clears throat> natally in the, in the charts of, of film stars, for instance. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. has it for a moment. It's his moment of being a big star. Excuse me. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. Agreed with that. Um, probably, I'm going to, we'll try not to sort of cough too much. It's, I think, you know. Um, yeah, I th- also, I mean, the other, what's been going on, I think, and with his chart as well, I mean, we're moving into, we've got this really interesting point because we're mo- about to move into Aquarius season. You know, Aquarius leaves behind Capricorn, which is the establishment um, tradition. We're moving into Aquarius, which is progressive, future oriented. You know, and in a way, I was thinking, is there anything that shows in that with what's been going on with Harry? And not at all. <laughs> There's not an Aquarius flicker in there. It's it's not about that. This is about it is about the past. Actually, I think it's about the past and the establishment, and it's very much caught up in what's been going on this past month, you know, the months we're leaving behind. Um, and we are moving into this kind of the new phase. Um, and also I think as the sun leaves Capricorn and moves into Aquarius, which happens on, I think it's the 20th of January, we're starting to get this inkling of what's going on with Pluto's big move from oh, Capricorn absolutely. to Aquarius as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Harry, this theme of Harry and and what's been going on, this isn't, it's it's about something else, actually, I feel. Oh, it's completely, it's about the end of Capricorn, yeah. uh, which is going to, you know, the end of the power has been in Capricorn, which is this establishment sign. 
And yep. it's up and down hierarchies instead of flat ones. And Pluto will be moving into Aquarius. We'll have a glimpse of that from March to June this year. But it takes a long time. It's <laughs> a big tug of war between the establishment and what's coming next, which is a more egalitarian uh, structure. Right. of a structure of government probably you know it's a more egalitarian structure of government and there's nothing more capricorn and hierarchical than the royal family frankly yeah and i i think that um i mean i haven't like i said i haven't read the thing i've read some extracts but he seemed they harry and megan seemed to me just as stuck in that hierarchical mode of thinking as the royal family themselves he's just gone over to be a royal person in hollywood instead of yeah um so it's not aquarian is it no it's not and i agree with that it's kind of because you know often when i talk about eclipses very often you know they're about the leaders and the royals but they also show in the a-listers you know the 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 elite celebrities who also have created this world that is very elite i mean you know, so so they've moved over to that kind of big hitters in the in the Hollywood world. So they're not. It's not about being of the people, which is Aquarius. Mm-hmm. They've still got this incredible status going on and um, and elitism in a way. Yeah, it's an elitist mindset, isn't it? That's that that's clearly still going on. Yeah, um, and it's with it's a, like it's a family affair, and that's why it's slightly uncomfortable to talk about. You know is that they are these archetypes yet it's a family um and here you know and there they are but i think it's interesting for people to see that progressed to understand how the progress chart works and to see how very important it's just to to emphasize that sun pluto conjunction in the um he'll be having that for the next couple of years for a start that's this will carry on um but just to emphasize that this does not happen to most people. Most of us are not going to have that sun um, come to Pluto like that. Yeah. Um, it's a very unusual aspect to get. Yeah, and it's once in a lifetime, isn't it? And not everyone will have it. <laughs> it's like, you know, that's it. Once in some people's lifetimes, yeah. um, you know, and, and it is about the destruction and reconstruction of the ego as well. Mm. Mm. It's it's yeah. Pluto raises to the ground, mm-hmm. and then you know it's that symbol of the phoenix, isn't it? And being rebuilt, but yeah. you have to pull everything apart. You have to destroy everything to be able to rebuild. It's a real, you know, it's a powerful transformation, personal, powerful personal transformation that takes you down to the pit mm-hmm. and then rebuilds you. I mean, often people with Pluto can, you know, when people say, "Oh, you're going to have a transformative time," it's kind of like, "Well, yes, but you're going to go to some deep, dark places on the way." You know, it's not just a, "Oh, let's all transform nicely and superficially." I mean, Pluto, Pluto is the it raises, <laughs> it, it is the destroyer. So powerful time. Yeah. yeah, and that's why there's no going back from this for him. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just it's just a really it's so interesting, and I mean, I loved your piece that you put, and just the way it pulls in this. There's that major progression, but the way it pulls in what's happening with these retrograde planets right now, Mars and Mercury so powerfully placed for him. So, so turning points, we're moving on, aren't we? Turning points. <laughs> well, I do think I'm going to stop the share now because we, I think we've had enough of Prince Harry. Goodbye. Um, 
I, I, um, I feel that, that he's been literally, uh, the other thing that makes me, one more point I would make is it does make me also think about, um, the main, uh, Dionysus and his followers who tear people apart, who tear the king apart, mm. um, which some astrologers would associate with Neptune. And again, this is one of the functions of the tabloid media in this country is it tears people apart. Yeah. You know? mm. And the media is associated with Neptune also and mm. scandal, you mm. know, said his son. So it's, you know, it's a frenzy. And if you, um, in this country, it's been a frenzy. Mm. Mm. Um, but moving on to th- from that to let's just talk about Aquarians, which we were beginning to do that and say how unAquarian this whole mm. episode is. Actually, it's all those people up there when we really uh, Aquarius is all about the, us, the common folk. Um, and we're moving into that not only as um, because of the sun moving in this month, but as a period of time. These twenty years are the Aquarian mm. two decades. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, you know, we, we should really be noting what happens each time the sun moves into Aquarius now, because it's, it's kind of, you know, when the sun's moves in, it's triggering that point, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius, which is, you know, December the 2020, starting this new 20 year chapter, keep watching what happens when the sun moves into Aquarius as it does on January the 20th, because it's, it re-triggers that point. I mean, Aquarius to me is such, I think it's one of the most complex and fascinating signs and and people get very muddled around it, you know, because it's the water bearer is um, the symbol. Aquarius, it sounds like aqua. So a lot of people think it's a water sign. You know, they think it's to do with water, but it's not, it's air. And so obviously an air sign, you know, that ability of, if you know, I know, quite a few Aquarians who are quite literally airheads. They just seem a bit detached and, you know, not really in touch with their emotions. It's all going on in the mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Aquarius, you know, there's two little wiggly signs that look like water. That's not water. That's electricity, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, that's air. Um, and it's a fixed air sign. That's what's so strange is what is, what does fixed air mean? Is that electricity? What does that mean? It's it's a very curious sign. It's got the dual um, rulership of Saturn, which is all about rules, and Uranus, which is all about breaking rules. Yeah, you know how does that work out? Um, and I think that Aquarians, even if it's just your Sun in Aquarius, you do you know part of your lifetime thing is figuring out how you can be both a rebel and a conformist. How you can be a rebel yet part of a group. How you can be. Yeah, you know, that dual nature working. It's never really talked about as a as a dual sign, but I think it has a very dualistic nature. Yeah, two planets, the glyphs, two glyphs. I mean, you know, the two symbols making up the glyph. Um, it does, and that's. I often think they're very um, forward thinking and progressive. I mean, and and prepared to sort of make an individual stand on things, but then also. Sometimes they just, they're so stubborn and dogmatic and refuse to shift. It's kind of like, you know, I'm being really forward thinking here and, you know, there's all this new stuff coming in. But then it's like, no, my way's right. I won't, you know, and they can't listen to other people or let those other ideas in. So again, there's this, there's this sort of mismatch going on. It's like my forward thinking is better than your forward thinking. Yes, exactly. Good way of putting it. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) 
It's not a flexible sign. And I think that's something that you need to understand about um, Aquarius. This is not a flexible sign. Mm. It, can, it can be quite um, brittle. Mm. Uh, and, you know, one of the um, tropes, one of the um, cliches about Aquarius, which is kind of true, is that they start off the rebels in their youth and conservative in their old age. Okay. So you get the person who's like this really cool person in there when they're 20 and then you meet them again when they're 65 and they look exact, they're wearing the same clothes. You know, they haven't dressed like everybody else. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a complex, complex sign. And so I suspect that we're going to have a very complex decade. And, mm. you know, when Pluto goes into Aquarius for this brief period this year you know I think people you know pay attention and there's a lot of astrologers have written a lot about it saying oh it's all going to be this or it's all going to be that it's going to be complicated I think we're certain of that yeah Um, yeah I think also what's interesting is I mean you know we're talking about Aquarius this this month and I was kind of looking for Aquarius in the news and you know Zelensky president of Ukraine obvious an obvious Aquarian um, fighting for his people. But there wasn't, you know, the only other one I could find really who's kind of in the news at the moment is Cristiano Ronaldo, the footballer who's just done a massive deal with a Saudi Arabia football club, something like 75 million a year. And I did think, you know, are the Aquarians going to be the new Plutocrats with Pluto moving into Aquarius? Are they suddenly going to be the ones, you know, taking the money? Although having said that, I did also look, he does do a lot of charity work. Um, and he's very involved with spreading his wealth some of the time. I think. Actually, I, I do think Ronaldo is quite a good example of an Aquarian because he's a man of the people. Yeah. I mean, that's his thing is he's not some print. I mean, he's a prince of football, you could say, but he is comes from the people. He's connected to the people. Yeah. And that's his power. And his power is also he's got this incredible Internet presence, hasn't he? It's massive. I can't. Isn't he the biggest person on Instagram or something like that? I think he's one of them. I think he's one of them. Yeah. And, the you know, that's very Aquarian, isn't it? The, you know, the role of the Internet and technology and, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, which is going through the roof at the moment with, you know, it can do your marketing for you, it can paint your pictures. Um, yeah. yeah. So this is, you know, the Aquarian new trends as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the internet is an Aquarian thing. I did read a really funny little tweet from someone saying, why do we want AI to paint our pictures? We want them to sort of do the housework. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Why would you hire a computer to do that? So weird. Mm. When what you want is for it to, you know. Uh, Clean my house. <laughs> absolutely. Piling right. out. Piling <laughs> out. Do your tax return. You know, yeah. that's what you want the AI for is this the boring, desperate stuff in life. Life <laughs> you know, admin. Ugh. Um, so I think Ronaldo is a good example of an Aquarian. And actually, it is interesting that he's just signed this mega, mega deal. Mm. Um, and so let's see, here's another example of he, he, you know, he always dresses in fatigues. You know, this reminds me a little bit of, um, Fidel Castro, actually, who always dressed in fatigues, um, and all to, to bring himself down to the level of the ordinary soldier. Yeah. Um, even though he's, he's so that it's the leader as also from, from the people. And I think that's what we're going to be seeing with Pluto in Aquarius. And it may not be to do with money. It may be to do with power, which yeah. is 
kind of a different thing. And it's going, we're seeing the end actually of this era of these Capricorn people who are, you know, the one we've talked about. The first thing that happened in 2000, one of the first things was people started talking about the 1%, didn't they? Um, which we hadn't sort of figured out up until then. Oh my God, the 1%. And we also realized, for example, who's polluting the planet? Only however many companies it is are the worst polluters. They do most of the pollution. Mm. Um, and we, we realized that, the, you know, there's 1% controls everything, you know, under yeah. Pluto and Capricorn. And I think things are, you know, things are definitely going to move on from that. Yeah, they have to. They have to. The system is completely and utterly broken when one. I mean, it's there was just an article I read today about you know there's the 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 money that's been created in the last couple of years. One percent have it. Trillions, two hundred and something trillions. One percent are holding it. The system is broken. That is not equality. That is not going to solve the problems of the world. No, and and when you see sorry, but when you see something like that cop ridiculousness going on with all those private jets coming in to talk about climate change. You just think, please just stop it. Do you think we're stupid? You know, if you guys were serious about this thing, you would, you know, ban plastic tomorrow. It's easy. Right, so all tra- you would all travel overland to the yeah. conference. Yeah, so you have to show that you're making a difference. Oh, we're getting a bit feisty here, Christina. <laughs> we're on Zoom, you know. We're on Zoom, yeah. Very Aquarian. The Aquarian yeah. way to communicate with that is over the internet. Mm. You know, you don't need to have your uh, meeting, whatever. That's just a jolly. We all know it's just a jolly, don't we? It's a jolly. It's it just boosts their status, doesn't it? Kind of, you know, staying in swanky places, flying by private plane. So we're talking really this move from Capricorn to Aquarius that I think we should get the new moon up because as soon as the sun moves into Aquarius, we have a brilliant new moon at one degree of Aquarius. So that's on January the 21st. And you know, if any of you have been feeling stuck as 2023's got going, me, um, lots of you, <laughs> I imagine, you know, we've got more turning points. Mercury turns retrograde on the 18th when this um, podcast comes out. Then we have this sun moves into Aquarius and a brilliant new moon taking place on 21st of January. So, you know, there's a sense that now's the time to get moving. Now's the time to set some intentions on this new moon. Um, and it's an energy reset in my eyes. I'm needing it. <laughs> no, I agree with you, actually. I, I think it's a fantastic new moon. Mm. I'm really excited about it. And I think one of the things I think we need to be doing um, just in those three days, because this goes out on the 18th, doesn't it? Before the new moon, it's like finishing off as much stuff as you can, right? Yeah. Because this new moon is the restart, is the, is the start of the year. Off we go, off we go into the new year. It's on that very sensitive part of the chart, which is the zero to one degrees of Aquarius, the new decade. Um, It's exciting and it makes very nice aspects to Jupiter. Mm. Mm. Uh, It is exactly opposite to Lilith, my friend, um, over in Leo, which could be good, could be bad. Um, Mm. But it's, it's a power of, and it, it's also still, even though it's out of sign, it's still making conjunction to Pluto. So it's pulling that Pluto into Aquarius. Yeah, it is actually, isn't it? It is pulling it in. Yeah. It's like, come on, let's try. It's kind of like, come on, Pluto, let's try something new. Yeah. And Pluto's like, yes, please help me out of this. <laughs> Get me out of this hell I've been in. <laughs> this hell yeah. of my own creation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so I think it's a really good um, Newman. I think obviously we could say it's fantastic for Aquarians, you know, to be having this fresh start. Great for all the air signs, Gemini and Libra. This mm-hmm. is a wonderful fresh start to the year. Mm. And I would definitely, you know, if you're into ritual, I would do my mega new moon, bury the past, start the future mm. ritual now on that 21st of January. So mm. the exact time, according to my thing, is 2153 uh, GMT of that when they actually make the conjunction. And then it's after that that the, that the newness starts. Okay. I've, I make it 2053 in mine. Oh, right. Maybe mine's, I'm just looking at that saying, is it GMD or GMT on this one? Oh, you've got GMD. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's 2053 GMT, isn't it? Um, yeah. Change, I, well, I can't change that. No, don't change it for now. It's fine. It's fine. We've, we've voiced it. So um, yeah. that's good. Um, yeah. I mean, just to really, you know, that interesting. And for Capricorn too, I think, fascinating new moon with you know pluto in your star sign it's kind of like shutting the door on the past i feel and you know what are you moving into that new moon in aquarius for capricorn is about it's about money values self-worth too mm-hmm. um so it could be a real kind of um you know feeling as if you're changing who you are is changing in some way and you've got different values maybe moving into the year ahead um, so interesting for Capricorn too, and a lovely sextile aspect to Jupiter and Aries. So you know this for for Aries, this is this is a real kind of awakening time. It's kind of find your group, find your tribe. Um, you know, be around people who inspire you, or you inspire them. There's this wherever Aquarius and Aries falls, these two um, planets and star signs are working quite nicely together, actually bringing something to to both. I would say, yeah, it's really nice for Sagittarians and for Pisces because this new moon is making a lovely aspect to your ruling planet. Jupiter. Um, you know, I mean, for Sagittarians, this really could be, you know, romance and all that, mm. uh, creativity. Mm. Mm. For, Pis- for Pisces, it could be about money, you know, because it's the Jupiter in the in the um, second house. Yeah. A new way of making money. Yeah. Uh, that co- connects you to the collective more, something like that. You know, mm. it's a it's a really good one. One thing I would also mention with this new moon in Aquarius and this Aquarius season. So that's from twenty first of January. Is it? Does it leave on the nineteenth of February or the twentieth this year? It's actually this year. It's twentieth of January to eighteenth of February. Those are the dates this year. Okay, so twentieth of January to the eighteenth of February. The sun's going to be in Aquarius. And Saturn is going to be in Aquarius. Yep. This is the the end of Saturn in Aquarius. This is its last bit mm. in there. And it has this help from the sun um, and this help from this interesting new moon. It's got help from Venus as well, which is in Aquarius for a while. Um, and it's like, it's like a farewell party. It's like goodbye, Saturn and Aquarius. Off you go. You're going to go into Pisces on the, is it the 7th of March? I think or early March. Saturn moves up off um, out of Aquarius mm-hmm. uh, where, and it's going to be in Pisces then for two years. So it's had a long time in Aquarius and this is its farewell party is this month. Mm. Yeah. And I, I love that it's the kind of, you know, it's the, the more personal planets that, 
you know, even those of you who can see this, looking at this chart, you know, the sun and moon after Pluto and then Venus and then Saturn, it's kind of like the sun, moon and Venus are just saying, come on, it's time to change. You know, you've done what you've done over the past. Now we we need something new. We're bringing in something new, which is a theme of, I mean, it's just such a strong Aquarius theme. You know, let's be forward thinking. Let's be future oriented now. What's not working out needs to change, needs to shift. So um, very powerful chart this, I think. And it will be interesting to see what happens in the world on or around this new moon as well, um, because I think that's going to give us inklings of of what's coming and what next as well. Yeah. And it also makes a very nice trine, by the way, to that um, Mars and Gemini. Yep. Which, uh, you'll note from this um from people who have got the picture will see that it's still at eight degrees yep. on the 21st of January. You know, there's that Mars still sitting there. Yeah. Um, and it's been at eight degrees since the beginning of Jan, really, or the end of December. So it's been drilling down into that. But now it gets the beautiful trine from the new moon. And it's like, right, now we can, now we can really start setting off on our path, whatever that, um, whatever that, whatever Gemini does in your chart whatever that mm-hmm. Mars path has been that you've been digging around and looking at, wondering about, um, you know, and I think it's helpful again, back to, for people's mental state, you know, it's like a refresh feels this new moon and the week afterwards as well, because uh, when does Venus leave Aquarius? On the uh, 27th. Yeah. So we've got 27th Venus. Of Jan. We've got Venus for a while in in, in Aquarius, and I think that's very helpful too. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I mean, I think it's, you know, also this Mars, it really gets going in February and March. I mean, Mars stays in Gemini until the end of March. Mm. So, you know, I think this is the time for kind of looking at the problems or the issues that, that this Mars retrograde has caused and coming up with ideas, talking to people, finding ways to sort things out. Um, and see what next for Gemini as well. You know, this new moon falls in, in one of the future sectors in a way of your chart. So, you know, it's a time to sort of expand your horizons as well and look at what you want to learn, look at what you want to explore in life. Um, it's opening things up from being too internal. It's like, it seems to me like getting out the mind and getting into the world in a way, um, and having support from other people in doing that. It's a really lovely new moon, this. I'm very happy with it. And the other important thing to say about this new moon is that the following day, Uranus turns direct. Oh, yes. Important. Yeah, because it's actually, Uranus is one of the rulers of Aquarius, as you know. Yeah. Boom. It's it's turning around and turning. So we have, you know, this month we've already had, we've had Mars turn direct in Gemini, an air sign. We've got Uranus, which rules an air sign. Uh, turning direct, which rules Aquarius turning direct, and we have Mercury turning direct. So we've got this sort of forward motion that's beginning to happen, that's happening this month. It yeah. will off next month, I think, in uh, end of February, March. But that Uranus direct is important. It means it's stationing it in mid-Taurus. Hmm. Um, uh, and it's important that it happens the next day to me, just symbolically. It happens the day after the new moon. It's like, okay, let's go. Let's yeah. go forward with our ideas because this is a, you know, Aquarius is a sign of ideas. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I mean, quite impressive for um, tourists, that, isn't it? New Moon in your career vocation sector, Uranus turning direct in your star sign. So if you've been waiting to make a move or be spontaneous, take a risk, it's now. Also, the other thing I just want to say about that is once Uranus is direct, all the planets are in forward motion for the next three months. So there's no retrogrades. It, it is, it's the sense of things are, are starting to speed up and accelerate um, in a positive way. It's a very busy spring, isn't it? After after this, so we've had this, you know, people feel like it's a very slow start to the year. Yes, it is. But now it's going to sort of really speed up and gather momentum because at some point it's like Jupiter is moving really, really fast. Yes, we just haven't felt it yet. Or you may have felt that urgency, but been unable to act on it. Mm. From now on, it's all going forward. I agree with you about Taurus. I think it's a really, you know, this Uranus direct with the, that new moon. I think it's super important. And then you've got the sun across your um, uh, career sector for the rest of the month, for, for this month. Yeah. So it's really like if you want to go out and talk, make a statement, you know, make yourself known you've got a lot of momentum behind you you're you know you can be revolutionary again Taurus yeah and also Mercury's playing catch-up after turning retrograde so I mean Mercury will enter Aquarius on February the 11th Mm. so again you know and it will be there then until the beginning of March so so yeah there's this it's it's kind of there's a lot of emphasis now on this forward move in the star sign Aquarius the sun there and then you get Mercury there as well Mm-hmm. and its own ruler uranus direct and actually then saturn and saturn is moving quickly it's not moving slowly mm. um, you know it's got quite a you know it's got quite a few degrees to get to um pisces now and it's in a rush it's mm. rushing out of um aquarius um you know there's just a few other things to mention i guess just to point out that um i'll stop the share that venus is going to be in pisces from the yes Pretty nice. Yeah, and it will be there, won't it, until the end of um, this this month. It's when does it move on? It moves on um, the twentieth of February. So the whole time then that the sun is in Aquarius. So it'll be in Pisces for Valentine's Day on February the fourteenth. Quite nice and romantic. Anyone? <laughs> Valentine's Day is usually so awful, isn't it? Not awful, but so romantic astrologically. This time, yeah, maybe a little bit. A little slight twinkle in the eye. Slight twinkle, and there's a Venus-Neptune conjunction in Pisces on the 15th. Just saying, that's quite romantic too. Anyway. Surprisingly romantic, isn't it? Especially if you're, you know, one of the water signs. Yeah, yeah, that's that's lovely. That's you know, that's kind of heart connections, isn't it? It's emotional connections too. I mean, Venus is Venus loves being in Pisces. It's it's this it's the boundless sign, and you know, Venus represents love. So it's about unconditional love at its best. You know, love doesn't want to be constrained or held back. It wants to love everyone and be loving and. You know. Double unconditional love, isn't it? With Venus in Pisces and Neptune in Pisces, that's yeah. always an important day when those two make a conjunction for, yeah. for lovers everywhere. And for peace, you know, maybe there'll be, who knows, some yeah. sign of peace. Mm. Um, what about so, the full moon? Shall I get that? Yes, I think so. Because um, 
Yeah, I was just looking at the time. I think it's time to leak the, the new moon and full moon really pivotal this month. So we've got the full moon on February the 5th, cutting across the Leo Aquarius axis of the zodiac. Um, and it's the culmination of the moon cycle during the full moon. It's the, the moon's at its brightest, so it can bring clarity um, to events. And it's often the time of sort of completion or culmination. Then you're wise to sort of release and let things go. And you get the waning phase of the moon ready for the new moon and new energy coming in. So these the cycles are always really powerful. Um, okay, this one is GMD as well. I couldn't change it. It's just having Don't worry. Day. Don't worry. It's fine. So 16 degrees. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's in the middle of the star sign, which means straight away you remember that Uranus turned direct in the middle of the, the star sign at mid, mid degrees Taurus, which means that you've got Uranus in a T square to the sun and moon. Incredibly dynamic. Yeah. I, this is, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a Uranus fan because I think Uranus really gets things going and I quite like change. Um, and this, it's like these are these are fixed signs, you know, and they need something like Uranus, a strong outer planet to come and shake things up and change, make change. And this feels like a full moon where some changes will, you know, ricochet into the future or that where changes that have already been made actually come to fruition. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, a real kind of spark, a real um firework in a way for all the fixed signs Taurus Leo Scorpio Aquarius you know and this is about it's that foundational axis of your life it's you know the self relationship career future home family past it's on that foundational axis so it's a really good time to see to see things like being at a crossroads on this full moon you're at a crossroads which direction are you going to shoot off in um, where's the change? Where's the change that's necessary? What might appear that's unexpected as well? I mean, let's not forget that Uranus is often, it's the planet that that brings in external circumstances. It's like life's got other plans for you when, when Uranus is strong. So it's a time to be flexible and adaptable, actually, for those fixed star signs um, and, and, and not hold on too tight. Not, you can't hold on tight when Uranus is in play. Yeah. And I would say, you know, for, for Leo's, this has really quite been quite interesting, you know, while Uranus has been in your midheaven, uh, you know, obviously things have been changing around your career, right? Yeah. Um, and often it's like good stuff. There's more opportunities come in, you have a complete midlife change and you become an engine driver or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that comes that big, those changes come and go, you know, it's not like continuous change. Um, and this is a point where there's a big change or a big opening up for, uh, I would think for Leo's, at least, um, in your head, you know, it mm. may not be a change that actually comes, but it, it could be a change in attitude. Um, yeah. Or, or deciding to go freelance or something or, you know, it's liberating. I mean, it's liberating. Also, you know, the other, the other star sign, which we, I don't think we've spoken about yet is cancer. These, yeah. For cancer always, you know, if you're a sun cancer, ascendant cancer, follow the new moon and the full moon because the moon is your, you know, she is your planetary body. She is your star. 
So these these times in the month are always really key. The full moon can be quite an emotional time for cancer, but a time to really tap in and trust your intuition. And this is about, it's also about values, self-worth. It's about money on a practical level, but I think it's about attitude too for cancer. It's like how you see yourself, make sure you're valuing yourself well, make sure you're getting paid what you deserve, you know, um, and and this this full moon in a way could something could happen that makes you see perhaps where you're not valuing yourself and what needs to shift, what needs to change. Yeah, it's very it's powerful. Again, it's interesting that that's the main story about this month, really, is these two very powerful lunations. Yep. Um, and this one is powerful with, uh, you know, it's the two big, big things in the sky, the sun and the moon being mm. squared by the planet of change and revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the other interesting thing I think about this month, because it, it, it is the focus seems to be on these moons, but also, you know, there's going to be a Mercury Pluto conjunction in Capricorn, which I think is on the 10th of February. And then there's a Sun-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius on the 15th of February. So again, we're seeing, I think we're really seeing this month about what this bigger shift is that's going on. It's like what is coming to an end and what is new that's beginning. It's a really powerful time, I think, for a lot of the star signs to, you know, look at the past. What are you leaving behind? Kind of look to the future. What do you want that's new? Um, and it feels like a bit that's the that's the major theme of this month closing doors on the past, you know, and seeing what new is what's coming in that's new. I agree with that. I mean, I do think a lot of the doors closed and will be closed in January. Yeah. Um, because I think that actually as we move, just the sun moving into Aquarius is already like, right, bam, off we go. Mm. You know? mm. But then, as you say, Mercury has to say farewell to Pluto and the mm. sun has to say goodbye to Saturn in Aquarius. See you in Pisces, sun. Can't wait. So we see you in Pisces Saturn, you know, so they're going to have another rendezvous um, next year when the sun sun's in Pisces. Yep. But the sun is paving the way for Saturn to go into Pisces. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. And next month is just huge in terms of of shifts. And this is this month is finishing some stuff off, but already moving into that future in a slightly, you know, getting ready. You know, mm. you're packing your bags. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and getting support, getting people around you. I think that's always important in Aquarius season. You know, there's Capricorn season very often about hibernating. <laughs> it's about being on your own at home or, you know, hunkering down. It's more about that winter retreat and hibernation. I think once again, the sun is in Aquarius. It is this find your tribe. It's like be out in society. You know, there's life isn't about being individual actually you know it's about all these connections that we have with other people i mean it's when people often say you know what's the most important thing about life it's people <laughs> it's not you know the stuff it's it's the people and the connections you have and the sun's move into aquarius reminds us of that to connect um and in real life as well i think there's going to be more of that weirdly with maybe with pluto in, in aquarius because we've had a decade or more of uh, connecting over the screens as we're doing now, which is cool. And I love it. And it's great. But we begin to yearn for that real, for the life in three dimensions, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be interesting to see if that's a change. Yeah, and maybe we get that with Aquarius. Maybe we don't. You could just stay on Zoom and not <laughs> and so not. Carp should jolly well be on Zoom. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not. It's I mean you know it's not a kind of huggy affectionate star sign, is it? Really, Aquarius. It's connecting. It's different kind of connections. Mm. Um, it's it's more about I think about ethics and principles and let's work together towards something. I mean that's often what brings people together in this kind of Aquarian um, age. You know, it's what we want, what we believe, what we stand for. And I'm for, I mean for sure it's going to be about kind of global networks as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is and about the hive mind. I mean that's that mm-hmm. the connection, the, the hive mind being the internet. You know how we're all connected on this thing. Mm-hmm. Now and there are corners of it that are dark and corners of it that are light. Yeah, yeah, it's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary thing, isn't it? Really, oh, it's incredible, and it's only grown out since uh, you know two thousand, really, uh, when Uranus and Neptune went through Aquarius. I mean, this is the, to remind everybody: Uranus and Neptune went through Aquarius, and that's when the this internet thing grew. The the mind, the hive mind, grew. Mm-hmm. And now Pluto's coming into that. And some people, you know, will it be destructive? Well, certainly there's going to be some destruction, mm-hmm. but there may be some rebuilding and there may be some more truth telling about this hive mind that's been created in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting stuff. Interesting. So, um, how are we doing? I think um, time wise, time wise, we need to stop. Okay. Um, but uh, it, Next month is like a very big month, I would say, astrologically speaking. So I hope that people will come back and listen again. Um, and so say when we look at, um, you know, when we look at March. Well, yeah, because, um, I mean, we'll have Saturn's move into um, Pisces during Pisces season, don't we? And then Pluto will move into Aquarius during Aries season. So the next two months are kind of pivotal. So please, yeah, do come back, listen in, share the podcast far and wide. Um, And we look forward to catching up with you again next month. Have a great month, everybody. Bye. Bye.